Okay, let's get to the latest COVID headlines. Here's vaccine researcher, Dr. Iris Gorfinkel. She joins us each and every Wednesday, and she's on the line and joins us here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Dr. Gorfinkel, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Okay, 175,000 vaccinations yesterday in the province. It's a daily high for Ontario. Just uh, first off, uh, how significant was that yesterday? That's a record to be super proud of. I mean, that's just like incredible. You cannot blame Ontario for not delivering those vaccines into arms. That's not where our slow point is. Our slow point is in just is in getting the vaccines altogether. So consider AstraZeneca. We had high hopes for that. And now it's it's down to a trickle. And we really don't even know when we're getting more AstraZeneca in. It's not clear. Moderna, you know, we'd had high hopes for that vaccine as well. We were hoping some for some 400,000 vaccines, Moderna, to come in this week. And are they? No, we're not sure. And 200,000 were supposed to come in the week of May 3rd, and Ontario's just not seeing these. What seems to be the faithful horse is Pfizer. We have 400,000 per week from now until May 3rd, hopefully 800,000 per week for the month of you know, May to June, and then 940,000 per week after that. But I can say these high numbers and we can have hopes, but we've seen them dashed before. So I guess we'll have to wait and see if they are in fact delivered or not. I was going to ask you about that. Should we be concerned about supply? I mean, we have been obviously throughout this entire ordeal, but as the age requirements have been lowered for the vaccine, AstraZeneca in particular, should we be concerned about supply moving forward? I think supply is always a concern for us. And it's it's a pity. We we really don't know with certainty. Pfizer seems to be coming through. You know, they've promised us 6 million doses to Canada as a whole, which is super exciting because, you know, on the heels of Moderna, you know, deciding it's not going to deliver the vaccines we'd so hoped for, Pfizer is saving our goose. We need those vaccines. And I'm also really happy to see, you know, that Ontario is prioritizing those hotspot communities. You know, it's you can look it up on Ontario.ca. Are you in a hotspot postal code? It's all online, you know, but specifically Durham Region, Halton, Hamilton, Peel, Windsor, Essex, we've heard all these. And of course, Toronto has a number of postal codes. That's Toronto has the most postal codes on that list and York Region as well. But for now, we've got a bit of a wish list on what should happen. What should happen to really tamper down on the number of hospitalizations and ICU admissions? We have to prioritize getting those vaccines to hotspots. Paid sick leave is a given. If people are not paid when they're feeling unwell, they will go to work. They will find a reason because they've got to put food on the table. So paid sick leave for essential workers is a must. And then, of course, narrowing that definition of what means to be an essential service, an essential business, that is. Yeah. Do we need to look? I know Ontario's Science Table released a list of recommendations yesterday, including uh, to keep the list of, quote unquote, essential workplaces as short as possible. Instead of using the word essential, should we be using the word, uh, can you work from home or those uh, words? And if the answer is yes, then do so. I could not agree more. I mean, if if that's a possibility, that's what we need to be doing now, because we're already seeing many of our ICUs being overwhelmed. 
And that's, that's very frightening. We're seeing patients transferred against their will. You don't even have to give your permission anymore if it's decided that's what will be done. Even if that hospital's not in your region, that could easily happen. So, you know, you can only build the wall so much in your mind thinking it's not me, it's the other guy, but I'm afraid this is a pandemic that really does have a profound impact on each and every one of us. All right. In the meantime, we also wanted to talk to you this week about uh, some uh, significant and uh, somewhat new research that has come out that experts have found more evidence about uh, COVID being airborne and whether or not we really need to start to rethinking our indoor spaces and how we uh, interact uh, inside. You're absolutely right. It was just last Thursday, published in The Lancet by our very own Dr. David Fisman. Now, for those listeners who don't know who he is, he's an epidemiologist and a physician. He, he, he has a posting at the Dalalana School of Public Health, and he's very well thought of. And this man wrote a paper, along with several others, that concluded, we may have had it wrong all along. It may not be spread through large droplets. COVID-19 may, in fact, be spread through aerosols. So droplets, aerosols, what, what's the difference there anyway? So we know that the virus is spread by people inhaling it. So we know when we talk, laugh, or sing, the virus comes out in all sizes. It comes out as large droplets, which are larger than five micrometers, and tiny ones, which are less than that. These are the smaller droplets. So we used to think it's just the big droplets that carry it. Those are the heavy cannonballs that we spew out, the ones you can almost see. And that's where masks, physical distancing can make a big difference. That's what the old message used to be. Oh, it's spread by these large droplets. And now this paper raises the question that that may not necessarily be how it's spread. It may, in fact, be spread through aerosols. These are tiny, and they float in the air kind of like cigarette smoke. They're spewed out at the same time. And in his paper, published in The Lancet just last Thursday, he gives 10 reasons why it may be these small droplets. And it's absolutely fascinating to read. First of all, it's very difficult to prove that large droplets are the way it's transmitted. But he points out that people in adjacent rooms can get infected. You know, so that would support aerosols, that it's actually much smaller. They've also isolated the virus in air samples, in air filters, and in building ducts. So that also raises the concern of aerosols. Sure. So do we have to, uh, sorry sorry to interrupt, Dr. Gorfinkel, but uh, having said that, do we we have to then rethink uh, into the future, you know, how we're designing, uh, building, uh, you know, whether they're condos or uh, office buildings, things like uh, how the air is circulated, air purification, that sort of thing? Absolutely. It has tremendous implications. For one thing, we cannot rely specifically on what we're now doing. You know, the messaging has long been, oh, just stay six feet apart, wear your mask, you're going to be fine. What this tells us is that is not going to be enough. We need better filtration systems. We need better systems of ducts and air exchanges to ensure that airborne transmission is absolutely minimized. Many of the buildings that we, we live in, we rely on, have antiquated systems, antiquated air exchange systems, antiquated ventilation systems. And if this is genuinely the way that, you know, this virus is transmitted, we have to rethink those systems because that will tamper down on that over half, over half of the cases we now have are transmitted and we don't even know where people got them. 
And it, this may be the explanation for that. All right, some insightful and, quite frankly, uh, concerning uh, research in the latest edition of The Lancet. Dr. Iris Gorfinkel, vaccine researcher. Dr. Gorfinkel, appreciate the time as always. Thanks so much for joining us. Many thanks, Jeff. Always a pleasure. All right, stay well.